welcome to the Confidence Conversation podcast with me, Joy Burnford. This show explores the world of women, work, and what it takes to feel more confident. A lack of confidence is not a crime, so if you need some motivation, inspiration, or a boost of confidence, grab a cuppa, go for a dog walk, or escape for a drive, and join us for today's conversation about confidence. Our focus for this season is on well-being and self-care, and I'll be talking to some incredible women and experts from around the world to share their real-life stories, advice, and tips to help you manage your well-being alongside your career. And I'd like to say a big thank you to Coach Matters for sponsoring this season. Coach Matters offers recently qualified and experienced coaches the opportunity to expand their business development capabilities, allowing them to reach more clients and lead successful coaching careers through network membership, programs, masterclasses, and wellbeing events, they provide a supportive learning space for coaches to thrive. Coach Matters is offering our listeners an exclusive offer of three months free membership of its network when you reference this podcast. To find out more, see the link in the show notes or visit coachmatters.co.uk forward slash MCM. Today's guest is Bethan Gill, Associate Director for Inclusion and Diversity at Grant Thornton. Bethan has personally struggled with overwhelm and burnout and is currently on a three-month sabbatical from work. She joins me today to share how her health has been affected in the past and explains how to spot the triggers, how to ask for help and how to set boundaries. This episode is called Permission to Pause. Welcome to the Confidence Conversation, Bethan. It's so nice to have you. Thanks, Joy. It's nice to be here. The theme for this season is all about well-being and self-care. Um, so today we're going to chat a bit about your background and your career, your personal experience of dealing with overwhelm and burnout, and how you've managed your well-being and self-care alongside work. We'll also talk a little bit about giving yourself permission to pause and celebrating your own strengths and achievements, which, is, as we know, is so important in this, in this area. So to start with, can you tell me a little bit about your background and your career and how you've reached where you are today? Yeah, sure. Thank you. So I currently work at Grant Thornton. I'm in professional services and I have been for 15 years. When I left school, I went to university and studied sociology. I had no idea what I wanted to do as a career, except for what I didn't want to do, which was to be a teacher like both of my parents or an accountant, that seemed to be another path that was open to me. And I was like, oh, that sounds really boring. So when I graduated from uni, I had jobs, but not a career. I didn't, I didn't go down the sort of graduate career path until five years later, when I kind of reassessed what I wanted and set myself some goals around um, what I wanted out of a career in the longer term, ended up at KPMG on the trainee accountant scheme. So I couldn't avoid it any longer. And actually, I'm so glad that I did go down that route. It's, it's created so many opportunities for me. And yeah, I joined Grant Thornton six years ago. And initially I trained in tax and I'm now, um, over the last couple of years, I've transitioned into a role focusing on inclusion diversity. Brilliant. And I know you've recently relocated as well, haven't you? Um, how have you found that? Yes, overall a really great experience. So we were living in Norwich. So I had relocated quite a lot in the past for my husband's work so supporting him it was one of the things I really was looking for in my career as well as it was an organization that would give me geographical mobility to support him so he works in professional football and I've always wanted to support him but have my own career as well and when he was playing we moved around quite a bit 
and he's been coaching now for the last, I guess, six years. So when he started that, we moved back to Norfolk, which is where we're both from, with our children as our eldest started primary school. And then this uh, last summer, he had the opportunity to move to Swansea. And we made the sort of decision overnight as a family that we would go with him. So it's the first time that we have relocated in six years and also the first time we've moved children's schools. But it's been incredible. Um, it's a, a beautiful place to come. We're on the Gower. Everyone here is so lovely, uh, welcoming, and the children have settled in really well. So I can't complain apart from we've had to leave behind family and friends. Yeah, and you've got another, and you've got a little puppy as well, I know, that's been uh, keeping you busy. <laughs> I have. He is my little Welsh, my Welsh dog. And yeah, he's absolutely amazing. I'm slightly obsessed with him. <laughs> it must be lovely to be able to go for walks and things where you are as well. Yes, definitely. That's he's that's the reason I got him actually. Is um it was something I always saw in my future was uh, and possibly in my retirement, you know, when someone had asked me once, where do you see yourself in ten years or or longer? And I was like, Oh, I'd love to have a dog that I walk on the beach and I then when we moved here I thought, Why am I putting that off? Why would I not just uh do that now? So yeah, really enjoying that side of it as well. And I'm so delighted you're on the podcast today because um, it's a really, you know, sometimes it can be a really tricky subject to talk about, you know, personal experiences of things like overwhelm and burnout. And I was delighted when you agreed to come on the podcast and talk openly about it, because I think it's so helpful to others to hear stories of how other people have coped and managed with situations. So would you mind talking a little bit about your experience with overwhelm and burnout, if you'd call it that? And I think you know a lot of our listeners would really relate to that if you're happy to, to share. Yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, thank you for inviting me on. So I have worked part-time since having my first child. So James has just turned 11. And so since I had him, I had a year's maternity leave and then have worked three days, four days, combinations, different patterns. But I've always worked reduced hours and the same. I had uh, my daughter two years later and um, and have done the same. When Holly, my youngest, started school in 2017, I decided to, I think I was working four days at that point, but was finding that I was doing more hours and, you know, there's a lot of work to do. So I was like, oh, I might as well go full time once she starts school, which is quite ironic looking back because school hours are so much shorter than nursery hours. (laughs) (laughs) But I, and, and actually my best friend said to me, but you know, what about some time for yourself? And I was like, I don't need time for myself. It's fine. And I just ignored that advice. And I also was of the mindset at that point that I needed to be full time before I would get another promotion, before I would get my next promotion. And I was kind of on a bit of a treadmill of like, well, this is where I need to be. This is where I want to get to. So I did that. I put a lot of pressure on myself. And looking back, it is ridiculous when I say it, but I also went full time and also signed up to run my first marathon as well, because that was something that was always in my on my bucket list. And I decided that that was the right time. Absolutely ridiculous. Because you weren't busy enough. Exactly. So I think it's just this this element of always like, right, okay, what do I need to achieve next? And uh, so just just taking too many things on. I was really enjoying my job then, but actually I slipped into kind of where I was saying yes to everything. And I was kind of, my boss at the time said that, you know, if he wanted a presentation doing, he'd ask me. If he wanted a project doing, he'd ask me. If he wanted a client, because I sort of filled all those roles for him, which is obviously really flattering, but actually... I was saying yes without realizing what that cost was costing me. And I also was then ignoring the physical symptoms. So I would suffer with nausea, with dizziness, with headaches periodically. And I was just kind of ignoring them and going, oh, it's, phys- it's physical illness. I've got a virus or whatever it is. And might, I might have 
an afternoon in bed and then I'd crack on again and, and keep going. Eventually my body shut down. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, like I couldn't ignore the warning signs anymore. And actually I suffered a, a quite a large panic attack in the night. Uh, so this is about six months. So this is March time, about six months after I'd gone full time again. And, um, and I'd never had a panic attack at all. And it was sort of on reflection. I was like, that must have been what it was, you know, sort of the, the, the hot, cold sweats, the, you know, just disorientation, everything. I didn't know what was going on. Ridiculously, even then, I still got up at my 5.30 alarm to drive 90 minutes to do a presentation. And I sort of ignored the fact that I was feeling so dreadful. And I could, But I got halfway there and, and sort of started to feel like um, a migraine came on. So again, my body was telling me, you've got to stop. And so I eventually listened. I, I think I just didn't want to let people down. And so I was kind of on this, keep going, keep going. So I stopped the car. I made the call to say I couldn't make it. I went home got into bed with my laptop so that I could finish off the bits I needed to finish off. Honestly, ridiculous. Then I think probably the next call I did was call my mum and say, I need some help. I phoned the doctor, had a phone call with the doctor and I said, I I need to not work anymore. I need to just quit. That was sort of where I got to. And the doctor said, why don't I sign you off for a couple of weeks and see how you feel? And I said, okay, but I couldn't see it changing. And actually in the end, I did only have a couple of weeks off and that was enough. But it was like, I really really hit rock bottom. I think there was a day where I was having someone around to look at the washing machine and I had to say to my mum, can you be here for that? Because I can't open the door. I can't answer the door to this tradesman. And, you know, that's like crazy. I, I don't recognise that person. I just was so uncomfortable and ill, basically. So that was probably the first time that I ever really gave thought to my own mental health and what I needed to do. And like I say I was often confusing physical symptoms with actually what now I know is my mental health and the the kind of attention I need to give that side of things and immediately I dropped my hours back down I went right down to three days a week and again that period made me realize that's what I need to do to be my best self I suppose at work and at home and it it really I often say it was one of the the best (laughs) sounds awful, but one of the best things that could happen to me because it made me address myself and it made me understand what my needs are, what my drivers are and what I can can do, what I can manage. And actually, if I'm not okay, no one's okay because I'm the one that runs the family. You know, I'm the one that keeps everything moving. And it's such a familiar story, sadly. I think a lot of women suffer from kind of mental load you know, mental overload and they're sort of managing the managing a family, managing, as you know, in my book, I talk about the four M. So I talk about kind of maternity, mis- monthlies, miscarriage and menopause, caring responsibilities and, and everything that brings. And all of these additional pressures that women in particular, and obviously men do have some of these similar pressures, but generally women do take on the kind of the biggest burden of these things. I'd be interested to know, thinking back to that time, is there anything that either, you know, the organisation or you could have done differently to try and intervene in that kind of time before you got to that point of having those two weeks off you know what was there anything that you could have you wish you'd had or done differently firstly I was I'm quite proud that I only had two weeks off and not that that's a badge of honor and you know if people need longer so be it and in fact I think I had two and a, two and a half weeks in the end but again I wasn't going back to what I was doing and, and, and my organization and it was at Grant Thornton at the time they were, they were brilliant in terms of the people that, that supported me and were like Yep, we understand. And they took, you know, took the work off me, supported me back and, and everything. 
what I think is probably the driver is knowing yourself, like not relying on someone else to recognize these things and not, you know, everyone's got their own priorities. They've got their own concerns and challenges. And it's really hard. You know, we, we talk about in work about the role of the people manager and, you know, it's so vital and it's so important, but it's also really hard to constantly be thinking about other people when you're also trying to do, think about yourself and also do your own work. And so I guess my biggest takeaway and advice to people is take ownership of your own situation and really understand what what you need and then ask for that my best friend said to me do you think you need some time and I was like no I don't need any time it's fine I didn't listen so this is the thing isn't it it's like when mothers say you need to do this or whatever and I and my mother's probably listening to this podcast but she'll be she knows that I I guess yes 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 and I don't really listen at the time but then I you know ultimately I will sort of you know drip feed and go in and I will do something okay yeah that was (laughs) it was good advice I think that's it so sometimes you're in it and you won't you don't necessarily listen to the to the advice and so that's why it's so important to know for yourself where your limits are and you talk about the kind of the you know more recently you've had you've recognized certain triggers for you you know can you talk a little bit about that that and what those are for you yes I think again that experience what that allowed me to know is what I need to look out for for myself because I basically I didn't want to get there again I didn't want to get to that point because that was no good for me it was no good for my family and it was no good for my colleagues either you know it's like actually it's better to have me here some of the time on a part-time basis than to not have me at all. That's what I've realized. So in terms of understanding what I need going forward, it's just really recognizing. And it's still, it's not immediate. You know, I still realize that, oh, I'm quite tired. I'm quite irritable. I'm, you know, I'm not making time for exercise and I'm not probably eating as well as I should. And I'm possibly reaching for the glass of wine in too many evenings. I bet so many people are sitting there nodding at this point. (laughs) And it, so it takes, you know, it's not, there's not a perfect formula, but it is, I think for me, where I've got to at this point, I think the pandemic probably beat me up a little bit as well. Again, similarly as a, as a working parent, working mother, I was, um, the homeschooling kind of left me pretty traumatized and trying to work at the same time, trying to set the children up. Trying, and I'm really, I really am a, a strong advocate for, for gender equality in, in the workplace and at home. And I really push my husband and he's supportive. But ultimately, especially in the second lockdown, his work carried on and he's is out of the house. So it was literally like, okay, it's me and the children and I wasn't a key worker. And it was like, okay, yeah, we can do this. Let's do this. But I think it really took its toll. So that's, you know, that was sort of the start of it. And then we had the relocation, which again is another point where I was obviously putting everyone else before me with the children, with my husband and everything, just kind of right, let's manage this. Let's make sure everyone's okay. Make sure the children settle well let's make sure that I don't drop a ball at work. So I was like, okay, yeah, well, this is great because I've been working at home anyway. So I can just pick my laptop up, carry on as I am, just in a different home office. And I'm a bit naive, really, because I also was leaving behind any kind of childcare that I had. And even that actually, so my children are now primary school age, year four and year six. So it was like, oh, well, I don't really need to get much after school care in place because they can come home, they can look after themselves and you know have a snack and I can carry on working. So yeah, I kind of just thought it was all okay. And then I got to the point where I was like, I'm exhausted. Work was creeping into everything. So I was taking children to school, work, coming back working, picking them up, coming back working, taking them to their clubs, coming back working, putting them to bed working. It just wasn't okay. That isn't what I want from my life. And so something had to give. And at that point, I was lucky enough where I could reduce my hours. I was doing two jobs, actually, <laughs> again, 
probably not the, the best situation. <laughs> it's like a perfect storm. But I was able to kind of drop half of it. Um, so again, really fortunate to be supported in that way where I could say, this isn't working, something needs to give and being responded to in the right way by my organisation. So I dropped half, dropped my hours right down, ended up doing sort of three short days, but actually still felt like I was not quite giving what I wanted to be giving to work. And I likened it to feeling like I was at the bottom of a, uh, a down escalator trying to go up, just sort of fighting against the tide all the time and never quite being my best self at work, which I want to be. And, and, and actually, ironically, I feel like I was letting people down, but really I was letting myself down because actually turning up sort of substandard is not how I want to operate. And so actually it's about taking that time to think about that and reflect. And it's really hard, isn't it, with the working at home thing, because I do it as well. And it's it's very hard to create those boundaries and be really strict with yourself. I'm, re- I'm not very good at doing it, if I'm honest, because it's so easy when you can have your laptop with you and it's very easy to kind of have that always on. So it's really hard to make those boundaries and it's something I think a lot of us struggle with. I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. I want to take a moment to tell you a little bit more about my reasons for doing this podcast. My mission is to work together to navigate a path to gender equality. I'm passionate about enabling every woman to have the confidence to progress in their career. And I love talking to and sharing women's stories to inspire others. This podcast forms a small part of what we do. And if you think there's room for improvement in the way your organisation understands and manages the issues, barriers and obstacles that women face in the workplace, please get in touch or tell your HR contact about us. There's a link in the show notes. And don't forget, Coach Matters is offering you three months free membership of its network when you reference this podcast. Their business development masterclasses and nourish series of wellbeing events are also now available to non-members. See the show notes to find out more. So you're now on a sabbatical for three months, aren't you? So how did that come about and what helped you make that decision? So I was at that sort of a bit of a crossroads of like, what's next? So I was coming to the end of a project and it was just a comment actually on, on gender equality, which is, is how we've been in touch, Joy, and something I'm so passionate about. And, and it was a 12-month post and I'm, it's coming to the end at the end of June. And it was like, okay, what's next? What Do I go back to what I was doing? Do I... Do I actually step away and possibly resign? Do I take a break? You know, that's those sort of things were going through my head, like what needs to happen now? Um, and actually it was a conversation with someone at work, someone quite senior, who said, well, I've taken sabbaticals before for my mental health and and it's okay. And because I was a bit like, oh, what impact will it have on my career? Will it, will it sort of make me go backwards? Will it mean that there won't be opportunities for me? And that conversation was massive because I was like, oh, okay, that's brilliant. So it feels really supported. And then, and again, I I felt like, oh, I can't take three months out of the business. I'll be letting people down. And it's because I was in that mode of people pleasing, you know, it's like, again, one of those triggers when you realize that you're putting everyone else ahead of yourself. So yeah, we've got a policy for it at work. We've, you know, it's unpaid, but it's, you know, fully supported and, and it's an option there for people. So it took me a little while to kind of really get on board with it as such and feel like it was the right thing to do but then uh, uh, to be honest as soon as I started to tell people that I was going to be taking this 12 week sabbatical from from 1st of July the reaction was just maybe like oh my god I'm so jealous I wish I was doing that and actually 
yeah, but I, I think also I said to someone, well, I haven't had a break since maternity leave. And it was like, well, that's not a break. Exactly. That's not a break. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's a bit like, oh, it's okay to get off this treadmill for a minute. And to, I mean, obviously I can't yet say if it does have an impact, what impact it will have. But at the moment, I can only imagine that it's going to be positive in terms of how I'm going to feel going back. I'm already quite excited to go back in October to know that I'll have I'll be refreshed and I'll be energized and more motivated. Like my husband did say to me, like, oh, I don't, I don't think you'll want to go back to work. And I said, I do think I will. Like, I'm so driven by my career and I'm not ready to not be, to not have that as part of my, my character. You know, I don't want to just be a mum and a wife. It's hard work being a mum and a wife. I find that it's much yeah, harder than doing I work. Yeah, I need this, this break. <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm taking this time to pause to reflect, to read some books and to um, walk my dog on the beach. And actually to also, as you said there about boundaries, to put boundaries in place ready for my return so that actually I'm not trying to do things at the same time. When I'm working, I'll be working. And when I'm parenting, I'll be parenting. And actually, which would involve me going out to an office more often, which would involve, you know, having more childcare in place, make sure my husband's doing more um, of his share and, and all that as well. Absolutely. And it's one thing that um, I talk about in the book, actually, it's, I talk about the sort of big struggle on the mountainside, you know, for, for a lot of women, it's quite a massive struggle up the up the mountain. And actually, what organisations can do if they're clever about it is create these kind of refuges on the side of the mountain to let people have a rest, have a break, then get back on the path and carry on rather than falling off the mountainside completely. Just, you know, give people that break and nurture them. And actually, you've got to fill up your own fuel tank before you can help others so it's really important to kind of think about filling your filling your own bucket up and replenishing first well done for making that happen and I hope your sabbatical is as exciting and relaxing as it can be I mean six weeks of it will be spent with the children on their summer holiday so that's lovely to be able to do that it'll be so lovely to do that it's so nice and not have to worry about how to juggle exactly my normal spreadsheet of you know, who's looking after them what day and, and all that, which I do. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that, even if it means that there'll be less sort of time for me to read my books <laughs> during that period. Absolutely. So um, before we finish, I wonder if you have any sort of final tips for women on looking after their own well-being alongside their career. I mean, you've given so many today, but is there any, any sort of nuggets of sort of wisdom that you could leave people with? Well, one thing you just mentioned then about this sort of the mountain and the kind of taking those those chances to pause and, and rest. And I think I've definitely been guilty in the past of probably compare trying to compare myself to other people and, and other people's journeys. And, and actually, you know, even to the point where I mentioned at the start that I joined the profession late as such. I was, you know, five years postgraduate when I joined with a load of 21 year olds. So, you know, always felt like I was playing catch up. And actually, it's about your own journey. It's about your own so you know I still have ambitions to get to partner so um, I'm a level four at the moment I our partners are level six so it's like actually that's still something I see in my future one day but actually what I've come to terms with that it doesn't have to be tomorrow it can be in the future because what's what I want to do is enjoy the journey as well and make sure that I'm content with each stage and you know having that time with my children and time for myself and time to walk the dog and you know rather than race to the top and then look around and not have anything or anyone to enjoy it with our careers are long I think retirement age is going to get further away so it it's about actually making the most of that, that journey so I guess my top tip would be don't compare yourself to anyone else and just 
really understand yourself, really understand your own triggers and do what you need to do to be happy and healthy. Thank you so much, Beth. And that's been an absolutely fantastic conversation and it's so helpful. I've taken lots of tips away from it from myself as well. So (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll be back again soon with another Confidence Conversation. If you know anyone who might find this podcast useful, please do pass on the link and it would give me a real confidence boost if you could subscribe, rate and even leave a review. If you like what you've heard, join us at the confidenceconversation.club where I'll be sharing tips and notes from each episode and you can send in your ideas for future topics. And remember, you can get three months free membership of Coach Matters Network when you reference this podcast. To book, get in touch at coachmatters.co.uk forward slash MCM. Thank you. And until next time, bye for now.